Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in. I wonder how are you doing this last week? I heard Nicky Gumbel say this week that uh, he believes in faith and he believes in soap. And I reckon that's just about right in these times that we find ourselves in. We need to have faith and we need to be sensible. So I wonder how you extroverts are doing. You guys there that love being with people, uh, love to be outdoors, love to be uh, going on new adventures. How have you coped with perhaps being inside more? I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. And if I'm honest, I think I've been praying uh, for your families if you've got one, for your spouse if you have one, for your housemates if you're in a house together as you've coped and adapted and maybe not coped so well with being inside this past week and being without people. And what about you introverts? Yeah, not in a million years would any of us wished to have been in this situation. And I know all of us have been praying and asking God to bring a halt to this virus and so we can get back to our life as we knew it. And yet, you introverts, you have perhaps adapted better than most to this situation. You've been able to get on with life and it hasn't had as big an impact as perhaps some others. But that's only the case, of course, if you're not married to one of those crazy, over-the-top extroverts who is driving you absolutely bonkers at the minute. I've been praying for you guys as well. So introvert, extrovert, full of cabin fever, or maybe in your happy place, I've been praying for you. And there's a lot that we've needed to adapt to. Just this last week, uh, we broke or our, our washing machine broke. And I've heard stories this week of people's boilers breaking down, and dishwashers breaking, and things that you know, two weeks ago would have been normal and easy to cope with. But in the world we live in today, only a couple of weeks later, present new challenges we could have never expected. And if we're honest, they present opportunities for fear and worry and anxiety to come upon us. I've been thinking of how each one of us have responded. Some of us are being stoic and, you know, stiff up a lip and keep calm and carry on. Others perhaps have been fearful. Others perhaps feel overwhelmed with everything that's going on. It's too much news. There's too many updates. There's too many WhatsApp chats. There's too many suggestions of what to do. It's just overwhelming. And others have perhaps gone full on ostrich. We just put our head in the sand and hope for the best. Perhaps even this week you've been asking questions, big, important questions. Where's God in this? Why is this happening? Is this from God? Is this from the enemy? Maybe you've had some of these conversations with family members or friends or work colleagues. Questions of who is this God that you worship? And where is he in this crisis? And whilst these are good questions and indeed normal questions for such a time as we're now living in, what it does assume is that we come to these questions on an equal footing with God. It assumes that we have the same logic, we have the same vision, we have the same perspective as he does. And therefore, if 
we don't understand what's going on, then things are out of control. Much of today can feel out of control. And yet what this type of situation emphasises for me is that there's a great difference in one respect between us and God. He is the creator and we are the creatures. He is the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and we are not. He is the infinite and we are the finite. And our thinking and our logic and our perspective and our understanding is finite and his is not. And you see, this is part of the tension of living in the time of the now and not yet. The kingdom of God has broken in and yet it hasn't manifest fully. It's not with us in its fullness. And so we live in this time of tension, this time of mystery. We live in a time of faith and soap. We are, as followers of Christ, pursuing a life from a perspective of eternity, and yet we live in this very earthly world of today and the coronavirus. And so what I want to do today is to put down a pillar of truth that will hold you firm, a pillar that, so to speak, makes the house strong and which will anchor you in this time and season of crisis. And that pillar of truth is not just for a time of crisis, but it's for every day. And it's a pillar of knowing God as Father. See, if we don't understand who God is, if we don't understand God as Father, then it can be really difficult to understand and make sense of what's happening now. Or perhaps even more immediately, how how am I meant to respond? How are you meant to respond? What am I meant to do in amongst the situation and the life that we find ourselves in? See, these are big questions in a very uncertain and potentially worrying time. And yet our God, God the Father, is certain and he's full of love. So today we're going to spend a bit of time looking at who is God the Father. And I want to jump straight in. But just before we go any further, I want to stop and recognise that for some of us, talking about God as Father is difficult. It's not easy. For some of us, our fathers have been absent. Some, perhaps, we lost our fathers from a, at a very young age. And indeed, for others, there will be some who don't associate Father with kindness and love and care but rather hurt and cruelty. For you guys, I want to assure you of my prayers, and I also hope that this sermon will be helpful, healing, and hopeful. I also want to say that whilst your experience with your father on earth may have been traumatic or hurtful, absent or distant, there is hope for you. Or perhaps your relationship with your father on earth was... It was great and close and loving and intimate. There's also hope for you because no matter how good a father you had or have or how bad a father you have or had, all earthly fathers are flawed. They're broken and they're marred by sin. My father is a wonderful man. He's loving, kind, 
caring and warm. I knew he was for me. Me and myself as a father of four, I know my heart's desire is to be the best father I can possibly be to my four children. But I know almost on a daily basis I'm reminded that my sin and my brokenness and my shortfalls and the impact that that has on them. But you see, there is hope for my children and there is hope for you. And that hope is a promise of our Heavenly Father. The hope is our adoption by the Father into the family of God. And that promise is that we can know God as Father. You see, the reality of knowing God as Father is one of the most wonderful, if not the most wonderful treasure we can ever come to know. And coming to know it deeply, to know it personally, and to know it so it impacts your very essence is at the heart of the Christian life. My hope is that you will come to know that the Father comes towards you. The Father comes to lavish his care upon us. And I pray that you grasp a glimpse of his love for us as sons and daughters. And it's also really important to know that there was never a time when the Father has not been the Father. It's not like the Father became the Father when Jesus Christ was born. No, we are talking about from eternity past to eternity future. There has always been God the Father and God the Son. And as we're talking about knowing God the Father, it's within that relationship, within that context of God the Father and God the Son, where we understand what it means to know God as Father. It's a perfect relationship with perfect love, with perfect self-sacrifice. And it's out of that context and that relationship that we come to know and understand God, heavenly, the Heavenly Father as our Father. And as we more fully learn to see God as Father and as ourselves as sons and daughters through Jesus, we also learn to trust Him, trust His plans and His purposes and His timing. The outcome we look forward to isn't in question. There might be many questions in this time, but the outcome and our hope and our future is not in question. It's sure and certain. And even as these labour pains are great and perhaps increasing in our times, isn't our delivery not all the more certain? The Lord will accomplish what he's promised. And knowing God as Father involves waiting with eager expectation for what God has promised. That is what the New Testament hope is all about. It's not wishing for something that might happen. It's being sure of what will happen. And so true hope isn't hanging on, hoping that God is going to make it in the end. It's waiting in, expect, in expectant faith to see the triumph of God revealed. We have a father to whom we look, a father to whom we cry in prayer and to whom we wait in hope. And yet this glorious hope I've been talking about, this wonderful sense of knowing that the hope we have can sometimes, particularly in these times we live in, seem like a distant dream. 
in the days we're living in now, we can feel like we're in a storm, that we're tossed about on the waves of uncertainty and fear. And sometimes, even as children of God, we wonder, well, what, what's happening? See, our Heavenly Father is working through the trials and the turmoil to fashion our hearts into the image of His Son. And when we find ourselves in the storm, with the waves crashing over our boat, as we currently are, and it begins to feel like we're perhaps sinking. What we need to do is lift our eyes, see through the storm, and see Jesus walking on the water, coming towards us to calm that storm and bring peace to us in the midst of that storm. And part of the battle in the days that we are living is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not the storm around us. I heard someone describe the battle in their minds just this week in, in this way. He said it's like two dogs having a fight. There's a good dog and there's a bad dog and they are fighting like crazy. And when asked which dog wins, he replied like this. He said, the dog that I feed. And see, in the midst of the news updates and the fear and the anxiety swirling around us, at this time, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, choosing faith over fear. Because our security lies not in our circumstance, but in our God. Knowing who the Father is anchors our hope in eternity. It anchors our hope in his love and in his promises, and it holds us steady in the storm. Like the faith and trust of a young child who believes when their father says, it will be okay, I am here for you and I am here with you. So we as sons and daughters of God need to know, need to experience and to live in such a way as that we trust just like that young child. So we don't do this through white-knuckle determination or some strategy we come up with, but we do this by asking the Holy Spirit to reveal God as Father to each one of us. And this is not a raffle or the lotto. If you're a follower of Jesus, then God adopts us, takes every one of us who is a follower of Jesus into his family as a son and a daughter. This is a promise. It's not a question mark. It's based on God and who he is as that perfect father. And it has nothing to do with us and any effort we put into it. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus, saved by grace through faith, is promised to know God as father. And so to close, I want to take a look at the following passage from Ephesians. Ephesians is my favourite book of the Bible. I absolutely love it. And I want to look at Ephesians 1, verse 1 through to 13 or 14. And this is one of the greatest summaries of God's heart and action towards us. It begins with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read it together. So I'm just going to share my screen so we can all read through together. So Ephesians 1, starting at verse 3. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purchased in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In the original language there, from uh, chapter 1, verse 3, all the way through to 14 is a single sentence. It's subject to the one doing the actions listed throughout that whole sentence is God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, everything in this long sentence tells us what our God and Father has done. And so to finish our time this morning, listen to God's heart and action towards you. He has blessed you, chosen you, predestined you, adopted you, freely given his glorious grace to you, redeemed you forgiven you, lavished grace upon you, made known to you his will, worked all things to the purpose of his will and sealed you with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Father is the subject, but you and I are the objects of those actions. So it is God the Father that has done this for you and for me. You and I as sons and daughters are the recipients of God's love and God's actions in throughout that whole long sentence. And that is the love of our Heavenly Father. My prayer is that you will know God the Father this week. You will know his love. You will know his acceptance. You will know his adoption. You will know his presence. You will know his calling. And it will be an anchor for you in these times of trouble and uncertainty, and it will calm the waters of our fear and anxiety. And I pray it just be a comfort and it be a strength in these troubling times. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.